It's time for the greatest show on earth, also known as BuddyCast. <laughs> I'm your host, Nick Sorrenton, and today I have a sp- very special guest, speaking of the greatest show on earth, if you've ever seen that movie. We have Kyle Fryman here today. How are you doing today, sir? Doing pretty good. Nice and early in California, so. Yes. Yes. Thank you for waking up so early for us, you know? <laughs> so, for those who don't know, Kyle is a professional, he's a clown, a balloon artist, and I think clowning runs in your family, if I'm correct. Yeah, my mom's a clown for uh, 36 years now. Wow. And so, yeah, so she's been doing it since I was a little, little kid. It's it's normal to me that she's a clown. It seems weird that other people's parents aren't clowns. That seems really weird to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you're actually talking to a former clown, right? Yeah. I've seen some of the uh, some of the interviews. You talked about you did clowning before, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was in from about 2016 to about uh, 2018 or 19, and I just got really busy with a bunch of things and just hated sitting at meetings and being like, no, can't attend that event. Man, I'm going to miss that one. Oh, I love that event. Yep. So I just said, you know, guys, I'm just, I'm going to back out. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to leave it all to you guys. And But once a clown, always <laughs> fun, you know? And yeah. The spirit. Yeah. Uh, to me, clowning is not always, um, it's not always putting on the, the makeup and the silly costumes mm-hmm. and all that stuff. That's, to me, that's not clowning. That's part of it. But so many people are clowns and don't realize it. Like, I think the most popular clown right now would be Tapeface uh, mm-hmm. from America's Got Talent. What yeah. he does is 100% clowning. And I love it because he's changing things up. And mm-hmm. some people are getting mad because the old school style is going. I'm like, but things need to progress. Things need to evolve with society. Uh, I'm proud to see where it's going. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned your mother earlier. Was she your inspiration to become a clown, or was there uh, something else that inspired you? Uh, it was a mixture of things. So at the beginning, it was it was 100% my mom, because it was just kind of the normal thing. Uh, it's it's like families that are musicians. It's you just Everyone does it. It's just what you're brought up with, mm-hmm. and it's kind of expected of you. Is you, Everyone kind of partakes in the making balloon animals and doing magic tricks and doing clown stuff and juggling. It was just a normal thing growing up. And when I, I was in, I was in seventh grade and I I could do balloon animals, nothing super fancy at the time, but it was fun. Definitely better than some of the people in my area and an event went to hire my mom and she couldn't make it. So she had me go out there and I just worked for tips. And when when you're 12 years old and you make $700 in tips in an afternoon, you kind of get a little spark of inspiration to start working. I'd say so. Yeah, it was that was one of my first big tastes of it of like, hey, I could really do something with this. And did shows as a kid and really liked it, but it was in college when I was working part time for a shoe store in an outlet mall and hated it. It was boring job. Uh started doing balloons in a restaurant again like I did when I was a kid and it was within a few months I quit my job and went full time. Hmm. Big leap of faith, but it was one of the best leaps of faith I ever did. Mm-hmm. You followed your passion, you know? Yeah, I, it, it, it was terrifying, but I think working a job that I hated was probably the biggest push I could. I, I needed. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. <laughs> so tell us about your mom. Tell us about, I know she was a clown you mentioned for many years. Yeah, so she, she got into clowning. <clears throat> in a really awkward way, uh, not the normal way for most people. Part of it started when she was really little. Uh, my aunt uh, had a lot of disabilities. She had spina bifida and was wheelchair-bound her whole life, um, had uh, a, pr- a kind of severe form of mental retardation. And, you know, I, we grew, I grew up around that. So to me, she was just part of the family. But for my mom growing up, my aunt was always in the hospital and always sick. So she didn't really see her very often. And most of us have siblings. We get to, you know, play with our siblings and and grow up with them. And she didn't really get to do that a whole lot. And at the time, I think this was was in the 60s, you know, uh, in New Jersey. And kids couldn't always go into hospitals. So my mom would kind of wait outside with one of the family members. And my my grandparents would go up into the hospital room and visit visit my aunt for a little bit and then they leave and one day a couple clowns came walking down the street just 
randomly and I asked my mom like you know what, what are you doing she goes oh we're visiting my sister and he goes where's your sister and he goes she's up there and points to her room and she goes what's your name she goes Whitney she goes okay we're gonna go tell Whitney that that you love her and that you miss her and she's like okay they go into the hospital go up to her room and apparently for my mom's memory of it they start like waving they started just by waving out the window door saying hi Kelly we're up here and next thing you know, she's they're throwing stuff out the window and doing clown gags and just next thing you know, entertaining people and people just stopping and watching these clowns hanging out of a window of a hospital in New Jersey. And so it became this thing. And to her, that's that was angels. Because mm-hmm. she was so little, it was a hard concept to grasp. Uh, she didn't know where they came from. And so a short time later, she was in school and they were, uh, I think they were in Sunday school, and she was at they were asked to draw pictures of angels. She drew a clown, and the teacher said, That's not an angel. And she goes, Well, I've seen one. She goes, Have you seen an angel? She goes, I saw, I saw two angels, and this is what they look like. And to her, that's always been angels. And so when she got older, uh, my grandfather was a very respected scientist. Uh, he was partly responsible for help create, help inventing digital engineering. Uh, the guy that invented the cell phone worked for the same company, and he actually helped him build a few parts. So he got to do some amazing things. He was like he helped build the Telstar satellite, overlooked the Hubble telescope build, like some amazing things. And he got my mom a great job in uh, AT and T in San Francisco, and she got pregnant with my brother and my older brother, and decided to quit this really great job and go to clown school. <laughs> I don't know who would do that. It seems like a very irresponsible thing to do. Any person in the right mind would think that's stupid. That's the worst way to handle this right now. But she did it and didn't look back. I remember her working like part part time jobs um, as much as she could, and then clowning on the weekends and mostly trying to spend time with us during the week and helping us out with school. And weekends is when she worked. And it ended up taking off more than she could ever dream. And now she's like, she's been sponsored by the Jelly Belly Candy Corporation for, I think, like 27, 28 years now. Uh, has contracts with like Clorox, uh, the Clorox company, Ball mm. Metal, all these massive, massive corporations hire her like, like at least once a month for events for years. And so, like I said, it, it, it took off and she was willing to take that risk too. Um, mm. And like I said, it's not the normal way. Most people usually into clowning through a church is pretty common where they meet a clown and kind of get taken under the wing. Almost like, no, I'm going to go to some like training program for Ringling Brothers they're offering and start a clown business out of my mobile home. And it just took off and inspired my, my, well, she part, she inspired me and my brother uh, to kind of follow our dreams. And then my grandfather doing what he did because he, what he did didn't exist at the time. He didn't go to college, but he taught at colleges a lot. And so that inspired us. And both of them pretty much told us, as long as you do what you really love doing, you'll you'll find money eventually. It'll come to you. You just need to keep putting that work of what you truly believe in. And it was some of the best advice ever. Mm-hmm. And it was that's definitely opposite of, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. No, you're going to work harder than you ever work in any other job. But at least you'll feel, you'll feel some sort of fulfillment for doing it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So definitely you'll feel, I think you'll feel more like they mean it more in the lines of like, you'll never work it. Like it won't feel like work. It will feel yeah. like a passion. Like it will feel yeah. like, I, and I, I definitely come home exhausted more than I could ever dream of being exhausted. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm proud that I did it and I'm not lying in bed going, Oh man, I gotta get up tomorrow morning and go work. No, I actually get excited for it. And I don't know what my cat found to play with, but he is going nuts right now. <laughs> So there's no cat. To, I don't know what he's hitting. I can't see anything, but he's going crazy. So maybe it's a ghost. I don't know, <laughs> but it's really entertaining in my living room right now. Oh, alrighty. So talk yeah. about your clown character. Like you're, you know, do you have like a name, a, a certain outfit, like yeah. clown style and all that? So it, it definitely has changed over the years. Um, so originally, in the old world of clowning, uh, you didn't pick your name. You earned it. Mm. Uh, Leon McBride, who was a big inspiration for me growing up for performing uh, and still love what he does, mm. uh, 
he was working for Ringling Brothers, and uh, he told this story a few times at conventions, and I love it just because it really shows what it's supposed to be. Uh, he was performing and did the show, and afterwards, this little girl comes up to him, and she goes, like, you're my favorite clown. He's like, well, thank you. And she asks, like, what's your name? And he goes, Leon. And I guess she was not content with his name being Leon. That was his real name, Leon McBride. And she says, that's not a good clown name. He goes, well, what is a good clown name? And he had these giant buttons going down his shirt. And she tapped one, and she goes, buttons is a clown name. And he's like, well, okay, then. Good to know. Well, at, when he goes backstage, when everyone's leaving, um, the head clown for their group put his arm around me and goes, well, you finally earned your name there, buttons. And walked away. And so traditionally, you earn your name somehow. And for me as a kid, uh, I was always that super hyperactive kid that every, no matter what anyone was doing, me too, me too, me too, me too. Um, so I became me too. So when my so my parents, you know, both clowning, it was Kelly, Zacco, and me too. <laughs> and so that was the whole thing was me too, me too. And I did that for a long time. Even as an adult, it was me too. And my big joke with it with kids, I was like, you know, what's your name? Like, so, you know, Nick, your name's Nick? Me too. Like, your name's Nick? No, my name's me too. And it was a great little gag. And I did that for a long time on and off. Um, over the last few years, I started doing stuff with a circus troupe in my area. And the Me Too thing just didn't quite work with the style of show they did. So I came up with a clown name and I actually asked a few other clowns like, hey, does this name fit with what I'm doing? I want mm -hmm. to make sure I had the approval of people that I respected that came before me. And so that one very much, I was doing some, uh, everything from like magic and sideshow stunts and big crazy antics. And so the, I became send in, send in the clown, um, which, which was great. I was on Good Day Sacramento and the lady hosting was a friend of mine and she was not prepared for that joke. She goes, and what, and she's introducing everyone from my circuit troop. And she knew me personally, but she was, and what's your name? Send in. She was, send in your name is send in i'm like yeah she was send in i'm like yeah send in the clown and the look on her face of realization was just and she actually we're on live tv and she actually walked away and she goes i'm done with you and goes over and starts interviewing our circus troop leader <laughs> it was, and when we went to commercial break she's like i can't believe i fell for that i'm like neither can i <laughs> but she wasn't prepared for a strange name she's prepared for like you know my name's Silly Belly. Like, like I'm Giggles the Clown. Like something yeah. more traditional clowny, and it was not prepared for a mm -hmm. really, really cheesy joke. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I've been me to the clown. I've been sending the clown, and I really want to do a sad clown character uh, named Always. I think that would be a fun one. I'm always the clown. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I think that one could have a great storytelling aspect to it. Uh, just something yeah. I need to actually get off my butt and do one day. Yeah. I like your play on words there. Like, I like how you, you know, you <laughs> like, play yeah. into it. like, you know, it's like the clown, you know? A lot, lot of people, do. yeah, a lot of people these days kind of pick something they think is silly and, and, and that works sometimes, but there are mm -hmm. so many people with the same clown name. Yeah. And to me, it's like, it, it, it's like, it's like a band. I want to, I want to stand out a little bit. I want something different that you haven't heard before. Because mm -hmm. I'm different. I'm definitely something you haven't seen before. I want to be unique. And so something like, you know, I'm unique, um, the clown. You know, I'm send, like sending the clown, the old phrase. Something that people have not heard before that kind of helps set the mood. Because the sending yeah. the clown joke is so ridiculously cheesy, but people fall for it. And it yeah. helps set the mood for what I'm doing. And so yeah. I really think a name is way more important than people realize. I think it should have more work. Yes. <laughs> Hey, it's Chris. Yeah, Chris is a good buddy of mine. Chris is awesome. I, oh, yeah. I, it's, I aspire to be as good as him on stage. Uh, even half of that, I would be totally content in life. Yep. I'm a massive fan of Chris's work. Uh, his, his, his stage work is just beautiful. Um, every little movement he does is just purely poetic, and I really, I really admire that. Mm -hmm. Chris is actually my magic consultant on this show. Any okay, you, you got a way better magic consultant than I did growing up. I had a clown mom. <laughs> <laughs> Any magician that, you know, or anything like that. I just pass him on, Chris. What can you find out about this guy? Good guy. Good guy. Definitely put him on the show. 
I had a magician one time asked if he uh, or asked if he could bring another magician, if he could ask another magician to be on my show. And I'm like, I told Chris, I'm like, have you ever heard of this name before? And I swear, Chris Fangirl. Like, I swear, <laughs> oh my gosh, you can get him on the show. I'm like, I think so. Is it a big name? Dude, he's like the godfather of mentalism. Come on, no matter what you do. I'm like, okay. See, nowadays it's so easy to contact uh, other people and learn from them. You know, like I, uh, I was born in the 80s. It right. wasn't it wasn't readily available. Like, you know, if I want to learn something, if my mom didn't know how to do it and there was really no one in my area that actually wanted to talk to a kid and teach a kid, I, I that was the end of the road for me. Mm-hmm. Things just weren't that readily available. And like, like with magic um, or especially my balloons, like magic, you can find books in your local library and get a start yeah. somehow that didn't exist with balloons. Balloons, as we know, it is not that old. Like the first balloon animal was made in the forties. Uh, that's it. And it was very, I actually have the very first blue animal book. I think it was made, I think it was printed in 1949, 1950 from D- Dwight Damon. And they, the balloons that we use now are completely different. The designs are, you can't even make the stuff they made back then. They don't even make those kind of balloons anymore. And it was, it's kind of weird. Cause I remember for me learning, like they had these magazines that would show, I, I distinctly remember going to the shop. My mom bought her balloons from in Sacramento and they have these new things called geo blossoms and it's a balloon and it has like these lumps on it, like a flower. And there's actually a hole in the middle and people, and they had a few of like, you know, the top pros, you know, try to make something, excuse me, with it and to put onto a poster for, as like, you know, a marketing thing. And one of them had what it was my friend Ken made one called the silly samurai. And I remember looking at it and I had no idea how to twist balloons besides like, you know, a really basic dog. And I remember looking at that picture in the store. Whoops. Sorry about that. I think we lost connection. And then it decided to cut you off. So I'm just going to turn my phone off. There we go. (laughs) Solve that problem. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I don't even hear you now. You there? Testing one, two, three. Why can't? Really? I got to have technical difficulties now. (laughs) Uh, Hey, I'll type the. I'll ask the question and I'll type them in this private chat for you. Oh, great. Now I can't, I can't hear you at all. This, this is going to work well for me. <laughs> One second. Did you just get a little see, There's a chat. Can you see this? Yes. Perfect. I can see that. Well, now I can't Perfect. go back. Here, one second. There you go. I'll... I still can't hear anything. Okay, whoever called me, they making me mad now. <laughs> Ask the questions and then type them. How about that? Try. Okay, let me try this. Oh, there we go. I got you now. Oh, you do? Yeah. I, I unplugged okay. my headset and plugged it back in, and that seemed to solve it. Oh, Yay. Perfect. Yeah. So, perfect. Um, All right. Folks, a little yeah. technical. Good. There. There we go. But, um, yeah. yeah I, so I remember, you, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, but yeah. I remember looking at these pictures and just trying to memorize that picture in my head and then going home to the balloons that my mom bought and trying to recreate them. And that's how I learned how to do balloons because my mom just did basic stuff for birthday parties and I want to do more intricate things. And mm-hmm. that's like I said, the book like balloon books didn't really exist. It, they there weren't really anything around. And so that's how I learned balloons growing up was looking at pictures on the wall at the balloon store <laughs> And trying to remember what it looked like and then going home and trying to recreate it. That and just playing with them. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing with art is they want to be taught something rather than just that genuine playing with it and discovering it for yourself. And I think that's uh, I think it's a really valuable part of being an artist of any kind is that playtime. Um, I think a lot of people just want to be taught how to do something rather than figure it out on their own. So anyone that wants to do stuff sit there and just play with things and see what you come up with. It's way more valuable. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. You'd say balloons are your specialty, right? Like out of all, like all the time tricks, like, you know, some clowns specialize in face painting. It it depends on what part of my life you're looking at. Uh, At (laughs) first it was, at first it was magic. That, and that's magic is magic and music are my first loves. hundred percent. Nothing will ever change that. Uh, but balloons just took off when I was in college. You know, I started doing restaurants again and 
the balloon thing just took off. And especially like I usually have a big black and green mohawk is my beautiful COVID haircut. Yay. <laughs> so uh, with a big mohawk and growing up in the East Bay punk scene, I, I had a very different look to me. And so the balloons really took off because it was something so different from the norm. And so like, I was known for my magic for so long. And then all of a sudden balloons just became the thing. And I became Kyle, the balloon guy, and it just kind of took off. So that became my specialty um, at, uh, after a while. And I'm trying to get back more into magic now. I really miss doing magic shows. So I'm trying to get more into that. But like the balloons, the balloons are definitely what I'm most known for now. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned a green mohawk there. Are there yeah. any other like thing? Tell us about your costume a little bit. Do you wear a costume and clowning or? Yeah, so my my costume. Um, growing up, I would kind of change things up a lot. Uh, it it was I, I, a lot of people have like the one clown costume, and it, to me, it's very. It, whenever I see people in the same clown costume every time, it reminds me of there's there's a show that was on television. When I was a kid called Doug, um, and I love Doug. It's still one of my favorite cartoons. It, it's hilarious, and there's an he always wears the same outfit like most cartoon characters do. And they actually explained it in that in that show. They show his closet one day when all the other kids are dressing in different clothes, trying to be cool. And his closet is just a whole bunch of brown shorts, white t-shirts, gray, uh, green sweater vest, and mm-hmm. red sneakers. And his closet is just filled with that. And so they had this joke of explaining why they're always dressed the same. And it always reminded me of that. And so I always want to be different. So I had multiple clown outfits. So it was a pain. So every time you saw me, I could mean something different. I would even change my makeup up a lot. Cause it was just something fun to do was change things up. Mm. But with send in, I had to do this. Uh, I was very circusy where it was a circus troupe that I was, you know, part of, and I love that circus troupe dearly. They're amazing. And so that outfit was um, black, red, and gold and had very much, you know, the ringmaster kind of vibe to it, but it was a vest. So it's a little more comfortable, but I had the kind of the baggy pants and I had these really, really big black leather, like industrial kind of boots uh, and so I, that one I, I kept using for the, for no matter what, cause it just had that look that was good for what I was doing. So if I was doing, um, the circus stuff, I wore that outfit. If I was doing more, you know, community things, I had a whole bunch of outfits to choose from. So it really depend on where I was and how I was going to dress. Cause as you know, clown costumes can get really hot and uncomfortable. Oh yeah. So I was, I'm a very big fan of like, Oh why don't I just wear a t-shirt? So you can't do that. You're a clown. So what? Mm-hmm. I'm, if the rule doesn't make sense, I'm going to break it because it's, it get like, it gets to be 118 degrees where I live in the summertime. And you expect me to be wearing a clown outfit, which is pretty much like wearing snow clothes mm-hmm. and, and run around entertaining people. You try doing that. Then you have the plastic hair on top of your head. It's mm-hmm. miserable. So I, I start coloring my hair weird and <laughs> wearing more relaxed clothing. The best the best mistake you could ever make in that is walking in two parades on the same day in clown shoes. Ooh. Ooh. I learned that the hard way. Ooh, yeah, no. No. <laughs> I made I made the I made the mistake once. My mom went to do was doing a parade every year in my hometown to this big carnival and had a parade. And she had this idea where she would be water skiing out of the back of her car. So my dad was driving the car. So I Kelly the clown all over it. And we had this little wagon. We made like little waves put on the side of it and just had a rope with like a little handle for her. Had a little fish on, on a little spring so they kind of move around. And I was in clown just running around her with a spray bottle. Mm-hmm. And so she's like water skiing, waving to everyone. I'm spraying her with water the whole time, which sounds hilarious. Until you realize I probably did the equivalent of like 20 marathons that day. Yeah. So by the end of it, I just fell over. Like I couldn't walk. And I was only like 12 years old. So I'm like, this is going to be great. It's hilarious. And that's, and my mom learned pretty quickly when she was younger. Don't walk in a parade, find a way to sit in a car. Yeah. <laughs> those, those princesses have it right. Sit in the back of someone's fancy convertible and just wave. Just smile. <laughs> Yeah, and that was one of those things. I'm like, I, I'm gonna start doing that. I'm, I'm done running. <laughs> this, yeah. this is miserable. I came home from those parades and just said, "Mom, do we have ice packs?" Yeah, sure. Took two clots, wrapped them around my feet, and just laid in my bed like just like. Oh. Yeah. And of course, everyone wants to tell you, like, you know, oh, that was so much fun to watch you. You want to come out to lunch with us? No, I don't want to go anywhere. Leave me alone. Yeah. 
Exactly. I, I got I got a week of healing, so we're done talking now. Good night. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, sure, we can go to a foot massage parlor or something, you know? Yeah. Go there and just go to go to a hot spring and just soak my feet. Like, what are you gonna do? It, it better be relaxing. Exactly. Now, let me ask you this. Are you part of any like clown alleys or is this more of like a solo act? Yeah, um, I did I did clown alleys, they're they really are dying out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people claim that clowning is dying. And I think clowning is alive more than ever now, but the face of clowning is changing. Mm-hmm. And it's changed before. You look at the old circus stuff, the mouths and the eyes are painted really big because you had to see the tiniest facial expressions from the back row of that show, of that of that circus tent, whether it's one ring, two ring, or three ring circus, you had to see it from the back. And so it was important to do that. Mm-hmm. Hot spring sounds nice. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. I know what we're doing after this, Norma. Uh, that's my sister. Uh. <laughs> and so, it, it and as people started doing what is considered hometown clowning, the faces got smaller because you didn't need those giant, elaborate looking faces because up close they look scary. And that's normal. It, it's a distorted <laughs> face. Of course, it's going to be scary from up close. Uh, and so it, it was one of those things. And so with like nowadays, hometown clowning, you're still a little bit of distance away at most of the time when you're doing shows. But nowadays with social media and video cameras everywhere and things like, you know, your, your podcast and YouTube and TikTok, we're getting more up close and personal. Like if we were sitting here talking in person, I would see more than just this of you because that's just how that's just how real life is. And so now we're focusing more on people's faces. So people's clown makeup is getting smaller and smaller. And then people also realize that you don't have to wear this heavy grease paint to be a good clown. You could be like tape face, a lot of black eyeshadow, and that's it. And it works really well because it's not the makeup, it's not the shoes, it's not the nose that makes the clown. It's that personality. It's that storytelling aspect. I tell everyone, if you look at Wile E. Coyote cartoons, that is 100% clowning to a T. It, it it's all about that art of discovery. And if you notice, like, you know, even him when he runs off a cliff and he has to wait a second, realizes what that he's not on the ground anymore, look up back up at the camera, have a sign that comes up says, Yikes, and then he falls. Yeah. You're you're literally taking a split second in time and expanding it out to 10 seconds. So you can see every little aspect. That if we run off a cliff, we just fall into a split second thing. Yeah. But you're slowing all it down, stretching it out. And you can you can do that with a very small amount of makeup or even no makeup. There's a lot of people that do clowning without any makeup or any of the traditional clowning look. Mm-hmm. And they're doing an amazing job. Uh, but like I said, the, the old school way of clowning is dying because the face is changing. And so we have – and like circus troops are getting more prevalent than ever now. But they're doing like theater shows and you know outdoor events. They're not doing the traditional circus tents and traveling with all this gear. They're packing small, playing big. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of the people, like the clown alleys are dying. Um, <clears throat> I know a lot of the groups I used to go to that have, uh, that aren't around anymore. The meetings were really boring. And my thing is for a group of clowns, these people are really boring to be around. Everything was Robert's rule of orders. Every little thing. It was so strictly business. I'm like, we're at a pizza parlor on a Monday afternoon talking about clowning. Why can't this be more fun? Why is this so strict business? I got into this so I don't have to be strict business. Mm-hmm. I got into this to avoid wearing a suit. So why are we doing the same boring things that I left my day job that I hate it doing? Mm-hmm. Why are we still doing this? It doesn't need to be this way. You can yeah. still have fun. If you're meeting up with other clowns, why isn't it fun? And so I think the, the old school business side of it is going away and people are focusing more on the fun. Let's make everything fun so there's no aspect of it that we, that we hate. And so I think Clown Alley's because they're so structured is dying out. And more, newer things are popping up mm-hmm. um, and replacement. But I think that it's, I think it's helping expand uh, people's repertoire and people's love of what they do. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, Norm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, I wish more things were that way because we don't have to be so structured in life. We could let loose a little bit. You can loosen your you can you can undo the top button on your pants and relax like a, like after a Thanksgiving meal. 
Mm. Why can't we be that way 24-7? It seems like people always want to have a reason to hate something. Like, oh, I love all these aspects, but I hate this aspect. Well, then get rid of the stuff you hate. Well, it's got to be business, but it doesn't have to be boring. You can, mm. make, you can make stuff really fun still. Every little aspect you do could be inspiring to yourself if you allow it. Yes. So, always- like I still, I still go to a clown group in my area. Um, they're, they're in that halfway point, mm-hmm. but they go to one of my favorite restaurants all the time. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a big plus. And part, part of me still likes hanging out with other people that are entertainers. And then part of me tries to avoid entertainers because I, I found for me personally, if I'm around too much of the same stuff, like around magicians, and I, I really try to, I don't hang out with a lot of balloon artists. Um, that you eventually start becoming a uh, tunnel vision in what you do, and you're not as creative as you really can be. And my thing is, people are inspired by other balloon artists or other magicians. Uh, I, I get inspired by other things. Um, I get inspired by video games, horror movies, uh, science, things that I truly love. Um, like I'm a, I have a big, big heart for science. And so if I can teach a science lesson in a magic trick, that's even better for me. That's why I'm a big fan of Wayne Houchin. And when he was on the show Breaking Magic for Discovery Channel, it was amazing. And I, I wish more people saw it that way. You don't have to be inspired by strictly what it what it is. If you're a clown, you don't have to be inspired just by other clowns. You can be inspired by so many things. And like I said, I, I think hanging out with too many of the same thing is going to give you tunnel vision. And so, you know, branch out, like, you know, Take everything you love. Like, I, I my stand-up comedy stuff that I did that I do once in a while has jokes about video games in it because that's one of my big passions is video games. And so, why not mix things together? Get a little casserole going, and it, to me, it makes it more fun. It, and it makes me feel more proud of what I'm doing because I see it, and I don't see anything else like it on the market. So it makes me feel more special, more unique because I'm not being pigeon, I'm not being pigeon-held or pigeon-toed, whatever the phrase is. I forget now. Mm-hmm. by other people in the industry and you're going to make enemies doing that but anytime you shake things up you're going to you're going to make a few people mad but as mm-hmm. long as you're happy you're not hurting anyone against their will who cares go yeah. for it hey if you have haters you know you're doing something right you know yeah, you, you, you got you got to make people mad because they're not really mad at you they're mad at the fact that they're not they're not allowing themselves to open up like that because when you, when you do anything truly creative and original, you're putting yourself out there. You're, you're exposing yourself emotionally and it's scary. It really is scary to do a lot of times, but I want to feel like I'm on that edge with every show I do. I want to go out there and when I'm done and I go for that applaud at the end, I want people to really feel that I gave them every ounce that's in me. There should be no time where I feel like, you know, yeah, I, I didn't really put everything I had into that. No, everything I do is worth 100%. Mm-hmm. And I push myself constantly. And I think it's important. I think a lot of people just kind of get too much into a groove and they're they're happy with it. I'm like, take a risk once in a while. It doesn't have to be a big risk, but shake, shake it up a little bit. Get that snow going in that snow globe. Step out of your comfort zone. Yeah, that's how you create the best art. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm a big fan of Van Gogh. And he broke a lot of rules. He did short brush strokes with thick globs of paint. And that's not the way you're supposed to do things. Mm-hmm. And people laughed at him. He was, you know, picked on constantly for what he did. He was considered a failure. But then we look at him now and he's one of the most, like Starry Night is one of the most recognized paintings in history. And it's crazy to think that he was mocked when he made it. And that people thought he was awful. I'm like, we need to we need to appreciate artists when they're alive and when they're unknown. We need to really appreciate art at that time and not focus on just the top one percent of people. We need to focus on the other artists that are trying to make it. You know, who cares if they're not willing or not? If you like it, show your support. Mm-hmm. That's a really loud garbage truck. Jeez, <laughs> I, think, I think they brought an earthquake machine with them. My whole house is shaking with them trying to get up the garbage. <laughs> Words of wisdom, we should apply this to all aspects of life. Imagine how much joy this would bring to yourself and other people if we did this. Exactly. Uh, my sister has a lot of the same mentality I have, but I'm really proud. Proud. Mm-hmm. Life should always be fun. Yes. Um, that's, why yeah. I'm su- that's why I'm such a big fan of my sister. We have so much fun together. Uh, we have very different views on a lot of things, but we really appreciate each other because we both just we want to have fun. It's Part of it is I want to have a good story for later. 
mm-hmm. want to be able to sit around, you know, at a dinner table with friends and just tell stories of these crazy adventures. And the only reason why that adventure exists is because I decided to be like, you know what? Let's see what happens. Exactly. Good or Let's bad, I'm going to get something out of it. Yep. Let's see if you can finish this clown phrase. You don't um, stop having fun because you grow up. I think I missed that one. Oh, oh God, I haven't heard this in so long now. Uh. You don't grow. You don't grow up because you stop having fun. You stop having. Or no, you don't. Uh, shoot, I miss this. I know this one too. I know. Uh, why can't I remember it now? You don't stop having fun because you grow up. Or no, you don't grow up because you stop having fun. You stop having fun because you grow up. Something like that. Yeah, and my thing is like we we look at kids and how like how innocent they are, how they're just full of joy and excitement. We can do that too. Like when you sit down and do something, like when I sit down and play like one of my video games, like I'm really into retro gaming. So the old stuff is what I, what I love. Mm-hmm. I don't think about, you know, doing taxes. I don't think about, you know, doing laundry. A lot of times I forget there's laundry in the, in the washing machine. I got to switch it over. I'm focused on that moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Same when I'm trying to create new magic tricks or a new routine, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to, you know, Grab, grab like a, a Dr. Pepper or something like that, sit back and enjoy my time that I'm having at that time and not think about anything else and focus on what I'm doing and let that consume me for that time and not be distracted. And I think uh, it's hard to not be distracted by life. It really is hard, but it's also really important. Um, a lot of people only have like one hobby. I'm like, spread yourself out a little bit. You can mix them together, but have other things you do so you don't get burned out. Mm-hmm. I, I think... To me, people try to make everything too serious. I'm like, just relax. You know, yes. Hakuna Matata. Exactly. Exactly. Your sister's on a roll here. She uh, just I just watched Robin. Christian Robin with the kids last night. Uh, I said, why the heck do we have to grow up and be boring adults? Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to uh, grow older. You don't have to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to be a kid no matter how old I am. I'm still going to be a kid. And if you like, if you look at old people, they don't care what anyone thinks about them. No. They've lived life. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, like my thing is like, I have my black and green mohawk because I like it. And I have people saying, oh, "Oh, I don't like mohawks." Well, I didn't do it for you. Exactly. I did it because I like it. If you don't like it, that's your problem, not mine. Yes. So go, you go deal with that. I'm going to go do this and have fun. I think we live in a society today where we focus too much on people's opinions of ourselves that we forget our own opinions of ourselves, you know, yeah. and, and we're always, that becomes our opinion of ourselves. You yeah, know, well, we're, I hate when people say, I don't care what people think about me. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. We all do. It's like when people mm-hmm. say, I don't judge people. Yes, you do. We all do. I just mm-hmm. own up to it. That's the only difference is I own up to it. Everyone judges people. Everyone does. We all do these things. As matters matter if you own up to it or not. And you're going to care what people think about you, especially as entertainers. We have to care what people think about us. Otherwise, we're going to be doing these horrible shows and be like, they're wrong. I'm right. My show's awesome. Uh, you've performed for over 100,000 people in your career, and not one of them liked your show. They're all wrong. I have a feeling they're probably right. Yeah. You know, so you got to care to a certain degree. But at some point, like, like I don't I, – I, I stopped doing balloon animals for, like, kids' birthday parties and community events because I wasn't happy with it. Uh, it, it got to me where point like I didn't feel like I was being creative. I was just like you know regurgitating these other balloon these balloon designs. Most of the time, I didn't even make those designs up myself. And it's just like, what would you like? I want a penguin. Here's a penguin. What do you want? I want a zombie. Here's a zombie. There you go. And it was very redundant and dry, and I wasn't getting fulfillment out of it. I like doing art displays or like I I, um, I make. I don't know if you saw my Instagram. Like I make full length ball gowns out of balloons for people. Like I, I love doing things more creative. Um, like when, like I was a big, I'm a big fan of Prince's music. So when he died, I made Prince out of balloons, hold his Telecaster and I put angel wings on him mm. because I was, I'm a big fan of his music. And I thought the world lost a, an amazing artist and I appreciate what he did for the, for the world through his art. And so I want to showcase that with my art. Uh, it, it, and that can be done with everything. But I think to me, people just kind of focus on, you know, are you like just there's different types of balloon artists who kind of just want to do just put out the same stuff all the time, no matter what. And they're there kind of to distract the kids. 
And when I say like I'm an artist for a living, I just say that because a lot of times we say balloon artists, like, oh, like kids' birthday parties, not like kids' birthday parties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I do like I think I sent you the picture of the Beauty and the Beast rose I made yeah. with the beast's hand around the jar. Like that that was like an hour and a half of work. And I was really proud of it because it's something completely different than the norm. Like when else do you see that stuff? And so I prefer doing those things. So I stopped doing the things that made me unhappy, but I did them for a while because I needed the money. So doing magic shows. I did kids' birthday parties. I even was a magician at a, a small theme park in my area for the kids' birthday party packages. And it was boring. It was like a 15, 20 minute magic show a few times a day. And it was boring. Uh, I got no fulfillment out of it, but it gave me a lot of experience. It, it helped me understand my audiences better and how to respond to things and how to act. I learned uh, how, a, a lot about performance psychology, which I'm a, uh, I love performance psychology more than anything because it's the most valuable aspect of what you do. Uh, I've seen Bill Malone do 20 solid minutes from the ambitious card routine and the audience loved it. And I've seen people try to do these really, really hard tricks, but they have no personality and nobody likes their show. But their but their thing is, well, I'm doing really hard stuff. They don't care. They care about entertainment. Uh, you can like, you know, there's some really low budget movies out there that are amazing movies because the story's great. It's not about the skill level all the time, it's about how you how you showcase what you do. And so I, I, it, doing kids' birthday parties for magic shows and balloon animals is not always the most fun thing in the world, but I learned a lot from it. And I wouldn't have been able to be as creative as I am without those experiences. They were needed. And so mm -hmm. it's short-term pain for long-term gain, which is really important. Mm -hmm. You know what this is all reminding me of? Have you, and I had him on the show, have you seen the movie Patch Adams? Yes. That is to the definition of what you're talking about right now. Someone who is taking all these things, like take, you know, took modern medicine and said, why does it just have to be, you know, going in, diagnose the problem, give, take him, give him a pill. He'll be better in six to nine weeks. Why isn't it like, Oh, you know, why is the patient? Oh, the patient with the sprained arm. Why isn't it, you know, Kyle, the guy who came in with the sprained arm, Hey Kyle, you know, like, how did you, you know, what happened here? Um, yeah. Like personal care. Oh, you were you were twisting balloons and you tried. Oh, you're a balloon art. You know, you're a yeah. You're a balloon creator. Oh, that's awesome. Like yeah. that personal level of care makes the biggest difference. You know. Yeah, like, like I'm not a personal fan of the person Patch Adams, mm -hmm. but the idea behind it is very true. Like you know, we, we yeah. kind of overlook mental health, mm -hmm. and like I, I'm very open that you know I have uh, I have ment I have mental health disorders. And I'm very open about it because I need to. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I'm very fortunate that my, uh, my small little close group of friends and family are very supportive and I can use my, I can use my struggles, uh, to help fuel what I do and help tell my stories and compel people, uh, and people overlook mental health stuff and like, yeah, laughter and happiness and joy and a positive outlook is vital in life to get through. And I think more people need to look into that. We need to sit there and focus, like, you know, not just on the strict one one line to get things done. We, we really need to focus on, you know, how can we branch off? How can we explore and discover? Uh, how is science supposed to progress if we don't explore and mm -hmm. make mistakes? That's, that, that's so important. Uh, the scientific method is so important of exploring and failure. Like, sci like every scientist I've ever known is not about find it's not about finding the answer it's about finding data of some sort so even though your experiment could fail but you got some some usable data out of it that's a success because you got something out of it so whether it was a it was a really difficult experience or not you know you can get a lot out of it um i had an ankle injury in high school and lost scholarships and everything because of it for sports and i, I have chronic pain to this day from it but that experience taught me so much. So even though it completely changed the course of my life, I learned a lot from it. So even though it wasn't my ideal situation to be mm -hmm. in a walking boot for a year and a half and on crutches all the time, I got some, I still got data out of it. And that's the important thing is it got, it gave me something to use that I could still make progress with. And I think people overlook that way too much. And it's really important that we keep that stuff in mind. And keep that healthy outlook.
Mm-hmm. You know what people, I always say people need a good buddy in life. Yes. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm always bouncing ideas off my best friends. Uh, yes. like, my be- like my best friend, Sammy, like, I don't know where I will be without her. She, and she inspires me to continue pushing. If I'm ever stuck on something, I'll call her. If she's stuck on something, she'll call me. And one of the weird things we do this day, and it drives my wife crazy because it's, it's so weird, but it's been mine and my best friend's thing since we met. If I don't know what I want to eat at a restaurant, I'll just, t- I'll just text her, do I want this or this? And she's like, get this one. Or if I even say, you know, hey, I'm at Outback Steakhouse. What should I get for dinner? I don't know. Uh, order this. Got it. And it, I don't got to worry about the decision. I got my buddy to help me out. If I'm stuck, even on a little thing like that, Sam will help me out with it. Uh, I'm going to actually, right after this, I'm going to go see one of my childhood best friends. And mm-hmm. the two of us together, we're the biggest dorks you're ever going to see. But when we're hanging out together, it doesn't matter. We're there having fun together. And the mm. fact that we can let go of life and any, and even like, you know, if I'm having struggles or anything like that, I know I can call him and he's going to be right there to help me out with it. And whether it's something that he would personally agree with or not, doesn't matter to him. It's about my life and my choice. And he's going to look at it from, from a perspective differently than he would make if he was going through it. And so having, you know, like you said, like, you know, your whole thing is, you know, the buddy stuff, having mm-hmm. a buddy is vital in life without mm-hmm. it. You're, you're just going to be, you're just going to be stewing in your own junk and you're not going to get anywhere. Yes, exactly. So we, we definitely need more buddies yes. <laughs> that we need. That definitely needs to be brought back more to the forefront is having is doing things with your buddy. No, definitely. So speaking of buddies, you know, one way to be a buddy is to be generous, to be charitable, to be giving, yes. you know, buddies aren't always a given to like, aren't always just a, taken situation like uh you know you're just gonna be my buddy because i know you can make me awesome balloon animals or something yeah. like that you or know where you, you can give me a discount at best buy you know there's so many things yeah. that it's not yeah. about what you it's not about that it's about the experiences you can get from the person yes so one thing i always ask my buddies who come on the show i don't call them guests i call them buddies yeah is um if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice what would it be and why? See, I try to prepare myself for this question. So I see you ask it to everyone, and it's a yeah. really hard one to answer because there's so many positive things out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my number one go-to is always the SPCA. Uh, my love of animals is will never diminish, and so whether I like, I'm not a fan of little dogs, but mm-hmm. doesn't mean they should suffer. And so SPCA is a big one, and then actually, uh, uh yesterday i actually got my t-shirt in the mail there's a charity i uh a group i i um, donate to twice a year and what they do is it's a really unique thing I've, uh, they started this new thing and other people are copying now which is awesome that's a sign of something good when you get people copying you and trying to make it better uh twice a year there's a convention held by a company called games done quick and it's mostly retro game but it has some new stuff and it's speed running like you know the original Super Mario Brothers can be beaten in under five minutes, which is insane because that thing still takes me over an hour to beat. If I sit down and play it, it's still a hard game. And throughout the whole week of this convention of 24 hours a day of speed running video games, people donate money for incentives like, you know, naming a character or having this game uh, uh, played and seeing some money, you know, do all these cool things with this game that you played growing up that you could never beat. And they and the two conventions, one of them raises money for Doctors Without Borders, and the other one raises money for um, Prevent Cancer Research Foundation. And I think those two are amazing. And just this one group alone, uh, in the last and the last two conventions they had, they raised over three million dollars for each of those charities in a week, just from people donating here and there. And so, like, I buy a T-shirt from it every single time, and, th- and that helps raise money up for it too. Um, this way I can show my support for it. And I think, you know, things like games done quick, it's not always about just donating the money. It's about knowing that you're helping people. So throughout the whole week, you hear stories of someone, you know, whose family, you know, was impacted by cancer and how, like, you know, I want my money, I want this money to go towards research so we can f- finally try to understand this disease more. And so things like pre- uh, the Prevent Cancer Research Foundation, I'm a massive fan of, and I'm, and Doctors Without Borders, I have a friend who is going to, uh, volunteer for Doctors Without Borders. I couldn't be more proud of her for that. It's an amazing group. And so those are my three big groups that I think are really, really important. We can do a lot with it. 
That was beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, I'm games gonna... done quick. That is one of the best things ever because they make it fun and they get and they inspire people to donate. It's not just you know, oh, let me send them a, uh, a check real quick. Let me pay them some money. Mm-hmm. It's about coming together with this group of people that weren't doing anything otherwise, and now these people that just speed run video games like they'll they'll play you know su- they'll play you know Super Mario sixty four over t- over a hundred thousand times in their lifetime. But because of that, they band together with all these other video game enthusiasts, and they're raising millions and millions of dollars for these organizations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. Like, you know, imagine the power as the power of groups. If we all just come together, we can do some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's like one hundred percent true. Now I'm going to ask you one more question before I ask you what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. I wanted to ask this earlier. What do you think from your clowning experiences is one of the most hilarious interactions, whether it be like with a kid or an adult <laughs> that you've ever had? Um, like you still like still look back to the day like it just comes to your head and you just laugh at it the entire time. So some of the stuff I laugh at now mm. were pretty scary when it happened. Mm. But I learned a lot from it. And um magician Wayne Houchin, uh, I love chatting with him because he's never really been heckled. It's the weirdest thing. And I'm like, how have you not been heckled? Like he's never really had that issue. He started so young and he just has this confidence to him where people don't really bother him. Um, but the one time I don't know if you ever saw he was on live television in South America. I forget the country he was in, but someone actually lit him on fire uh, without him knowing. And like he, he has some scarring from it. But the experience, like, he can laugh at it now. But one of the experiences that I had, and at the time, I was like, these people are crazy. But now it's one of the funniest things I can tell. Because, uh, like I said, you know, with the circus trip, I do some sideshow stunts. And so for that, for the adult-only venues, I did a scary clown persona uh, for Sendin. And it got a huge reaction. People loved it. Well, I'll get phone calls. People say, you know, hey, how much for you to come do a show at my house? Uh, not going to do a show at your house. I'm doing sword swallowing. I'm not going to have some person intoxicated walk up to me without security there when I have a sword down my throat. Like, it's scary. And I had this phone call, from, uh, this, I had this email conversation from someone. They want me to come for someone's retirement party. And I'm like, okay. And goes, yeah, I want you to come down and just do a couple uh, tricks. You don't have to do anything. Like, we don't want you to like, you know, do sword swallowing, anything that's dangerous. But just come down there and just do some entertainment stuff. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Let's get some more information. Well, the guy's retiring, and it turned out that he has a massive, massive fear of clowns. So they thought it'd be funny to scare him. Like, okay, well, that's kind of mean, but, like, you know, friends are kind of mean to each other. Friends pick on each other. I'm like, okay, I can see where they're coming from, and this could potentially be a really fun gig and could get a lot of laughs out of it. So when I got more information, I realized how scary this situation could have been. The guy was retiring from being an instructor for Navy SEALs. <laughs> they, they want me. They want his one only fear in life is clowns. This guy trained the most elite military group in existence, and they want me to scare him. His reaction is not going to be, ah, a clown, run away. It's going to be, oh, there's a clown. I'm terrified of clowns. I'm with my family for my retirement party. Let's show this clown what I've trained thousands of people to do to, to protect this country. <laughs> that is one of the scariest things ever. That was the scariest thing I've ever been asked. It's like, what? Are, and of course, like, I'm not taking this gig. It's like, why not? It'll be hilarious. Yeah, for you. Yeah. I don't like stubbing my toe on my coffee table. Do you really think I'm going to enjoy being attacked by the guy that trains Navy SEALs? Do you think I'm really going to enjoy waking up in the hospital the next morning and going, if I, w- if I wake up, yeah, I may wake up 20 years later. Like what happened? You've been in a coma. Last time I remember I was doing a clown show. Yeah. You don't remember what happened? Like I'm not going through this. Yeah. And so like at the time I'm sitting there, I'm like, like when I told him, like, I'm not doing this. Like, can you refer anyone? Actually, yeah, there's someone I really don't like. Let me refer them. Like, no. Like, yeah. Like, what are you thinking? This yeah, the guy the, the street. 
the guy down the street who's stealing all my business. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'll send him over. So like, yeah. Why not? Uh, yeah. Like, what a scary thing. And, and they they really thought, like, me, they really thought this was a great idea. Uh-huh. Like, this is a terrifying idea. And so, like, when I told Wayne about this, we're joking about, I uh, he was talking about, you know, uh, about being lit on fire on live television and what that experience was like and how it could have been anyone in his group that went down there that year to perform. He just happened to wake up first. And so he said, Hey, I'll go down to the morning show. And then we come back and we'll all prep for the big stage show tonight. So he was just the first one up and ready that morning. It could have been Lee. It could have been, uh, 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 it could have been anyone else in the group. And it just happened to be Wayne. And now we can laugh at it. Like he was on, uh, because of it, he was on Good Morning America. And so now he sat there and goes, yeah, and goes, you want you want to get a fiery response from, you know, your fans and get a whole bunch of people knowing your name. Let someone light you on fire on live television and permanently scar you. Yeah. Um, he was very fortunate that didn't do any severe, like he got some second degree burns. Like when it's hot outside, the back of his one hand gets bright red or like when he gets out of the hot shower, he has some red spots on his face, but they go away. Uh, pretty yeah. quickly it's just from intense heat it'll show up but like there's there's a little bit of scarring on the one part of his hand and like on the side of his face is a little bit but that's mm-hmm. it he was very fortunate but now we can joke about it now it's something funny because we can make so many jokes about it um you know he was saying that you know too bad it wasn't halloween he could have been the human torch for halloween like you know we're, we're never going to stop messing with him about it it's just yeah. you know, it's what friends are do you take traumatic experiences and you and you find a way to laugh at it Mm-hmm. And at the, at the time with that phone call from <laughs> Mister, I I can kill you with just a thought. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that guy could. I think that guy could defeat Darth Vader with ease. Uh, <laughs> it, it was terrifying. And after I posted about it, I'm like, this like I can't believe I was asked to do this. And then as time went on, I'm like, okay, this is funny. <laughs> this is really funny. Yeah. Uh, it was terrifying, but I'm glad I didn't take the gig. But man, like that is one heck of a story for life now because I had this one phone call of people who they really thought this would be hilarious. And they say, Oh, he won't attack you. You want to bet? Yeah. His instinct is to attack. That's his instinct. Like most people see danger and they instinctively run for shelter. His is go attack it. Hide or fight. Hide or fight. He's choosing to fight. Yeah. Yeah, his thing is fight, 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 fight. My thing is I won't have a chance to flight. Yeah. I can't flap my wings fast enough because he's going to catch me way better than any other cat catches the bird. <laughs> and so that that's one of those things I look back and I laugh at now, but at the time it was terrifying. I'm like, I can't believe they want to do this. Hi, Carol. <laughs> uh, Carol's someone I actually grew up learning from for clowning. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, Carol Butte and her son John is one of my uh, favorite people. Uh, he's an amazing juggler, clown, and uh, balloon artist. He he can he is good. I actually have sit next to me. I didn't know if it would pop in conversation. I actually have a whole bunch of my medals and my awards for uh, balloons and clowning. Um, I've actually won over twenty of them over the years. Wow! And so like I have, and so these are just a few. I got to hang these one up still. But I've won over twenty of them, and I think people look at competitions so wrong. The competition is being this cutthroat thing, mm-hmm. and it. it it, it wasn't that way with me. Uh, I remember one, like, I, th- I think it was when I won, I think it was a year before I won Master Balloon Artist. Um, I was, we were doing a group balloon stuff, or we were go- going to a couple other groups. And we had, uh, we had one of my friends, I told her, you know, hey, go, go sabotage their, their balloon. And so we had someone from our group go over and pop someone else's sculpture. Not the whole thing, just one <laughs> balloon out of it. She walked over there, go like this, bam, we're going to win. I just walked off. <laughs> I mean, that's just what we did. We that is never... the ultimate. <laughs> I'm not, I can't say it because this is the show, but that is the ultimate. Yeah. You know what? You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was, and the whole convention, like the convention I, I, that I met Carol Butte through and her family, the, every time we competed, like we had this friendly rivalry. Like I grew up just outside San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another group that was from Sacramento, which are pretty close to each other. And we had this friendly rivalry going on. One year, we win first place. Next year, they win first place. Went back and forth. We're, one year, we actually decided to team up and not tell anyone. And we practiced like crazy. And the skit, like, we found, like, my, my mom's whole thing is, that's not against the rules. If there's a loophole, she's going to exploit it somehow because she can. 
And, you know, it's, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. So we, we do this great uh, clown skit, but they have this, they only use the front part of the stage. The other part of the stage is behind a curtain and it wasn't really used. Why can't we use it? We never asked permission. We just set it up back there. And when we started our skit, we opened the curtains and have this giant circus thing. So now you have two groups of like, uh, like our group was, I think like four people, their group was like five people. And now you have this, and we also brought a few friends with us that year. So we had like 20 people on stage for one clown skit and nobody saw it coming. Uh, like the convention for their competition now, they have some really strange rules that you would think, why is that in there? Like no squirt guns, especially super soakers are allowed to be used. Well, that's because my mom sprayed the judges with super soakers one year. <laughs> because there's no rule saying you can't spray judges with a super soaker. <laughs> it's one of those things like, you know, you see a sign like, you know, like at a bar in New York and it says absolutely no wakeboarding in the bar. You're like, there is a story behind this somewhere. Yep. And I want to meet this person because they're now my new hero. Yep. And so everything we did, like uh, I would listen to music while I was doing my balloon competitions. Well, I, when I finished my balloon thing, my friend was still making his. So I let him use my, my CD Walkman. That's how long ago it was. Mm -hmm. And so we started making jokes. Oh, and because he's not listening to music. He's listening to an instructional tape. Do, do, uh, do a pinch twist here. Now grab your yellow balloon and tie that in. He's not making a balloon sculpture. He's learning from an instructional tape. And so it became this huge joke. And like you said, the competitions, we never took them seriously. And like you said, the, and everyone talks about, you know, I don't like competing. It, it kind of ruins the art form of it. I like competing because it's just a way for me and my friends to just be dorks mm -hmm. and to really take things way too far. Yeah. Wait. Like, there's been a few times I'm like, "What are you doing?" Oh, it's a prank war going on. She goes, "Okay, if you're coming in here and you're grabbing all the rolls of toilet paper from the hotel room, things are getting out of hand." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes," and it's going to get even worse. We're probably not going to be allowed back. Just fair warning. And then I run out the room. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had to get more new hotel room keys at conventions because my friends will steal mine and then do something in my room to prank me. Uh, like my, uh, I TP my friend's room. I even put stuff in all his clothes. So throughout the week I would ask him like, you know, Hey, um, uh, uh, do you, do you, do you know what time it is? He goes, Oh yeah. And they reach in their pocket for their cell phone. There's like a wad of like tissues. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, I just, you just put anything you can in their pockets. Um, mm -hmm. I put a mouth, I put, I laid out a whole bunch of mouse traps one time in my friend's, uh, in the entryway of his hotel room. There's like a hundred mouse traps. He's like, how am I supposed to get into my room? Not my problem. <laughs> uh, you can take a trash can and fill it with water and lean it against the door and pound on the door really hard and scare them so they open the door it just all the water dumps out on their feet and all over the carpeting uh, you can, messages from some parents later today yeah. <laughs> uh, get, get some get your friend's uh, underwear and get it wet and then freeze it and then put it back in the drawer Ooh. Yeah, like this is the kind of stuff like we never took anything seriously. So everyone tell I people tell me like I don't like doing competition. It kind of ruins the art form. It doesn't mm. have to be serious. But now I have a great marketing thing because I have these and that's good marketing. I can tell people, hey, mm. I won Master Balloon Artist for 2014. I don't tell them that my friends have all won the award already, so I didn't have to compete against them because they're all better than me. I was mm. just the worst one out of our group, and so eventually it would be my turn to win. They don't mm -hmm. have to know that. They don't, they don't have to know that I popped someone else's balloon so they couldn't finish in time. They don't need to know that. All they need to know is I won an award. That's all they care about. And so, like, I use them as, like, it sounds impressive. I've won over 20 awards. It's mostly me just dorking around with my friends and my family, and that's it. And it works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so don't take life seriously, even competitions. Just have yeah. fun. Yep. I love that advice. Now, speaking of advice, it's time for what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Are right. you ready? I'm, I, I hope so. What is your advice for anyone who wants to become a clown today? Um, ah. <laughs> if you want to become a clown, I think the main aspect is what is a clown? How do you, how do you define a clown? Because some mm -hmm. people will say, oh, clown is easy. You just put on silly clothes and act dorky. Well, no, there's an art form to it. Like, you know, you look at the Three Stooges. You look at Laurel and Hardy, uh, Wiley Coyote. They're, they're all clowns. Um, 
anyone who says they're not clowns doesn't understand clowning to me. That's clowning. And I think, so my thing is, it depends on what you want to do with it. Do you want to, do you think it's just something silly and goofy and you want to make an easy buck? Well, then your, your art form is going to be really bad and people aren't going to like it that much. I, I think if you want to be, if you want to be a clown, it's good to know your history. It's good to know who came before you and helped pave the way. But ultimately you have to be inspired somehow by, by some sort of outside force that helped drive you. Uh, what is it like? What is your reasoning behind it? And work from that. If your reason behind it is because you want to make kids laugh, uh, you know, at a children's ward in a hospital, awesome. That's an amazing thing. Go do it. Uh, but if what you want to do is make an easy buck because you think it's going to be easy, why waste your time? There's other ways you can do it without, you know, humiliating yourself because you're going to because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So if you want to become a clown, you got to have the heart before, before the nose comes the heart. And it's, I think that's really vital. So if you want to become a clown, if you want to become a magician, balloon artist, any sort of artist of any kind, you have to know what inspires you. Uh, Cause without it, you're just, you're just going to be standing in front of a blank canvas and you're going to be, you're just going to be painting uh, or creating whatever people want you to create rather than what makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. I think you, and I think that I think that's the more important thing is is understanding why and what is it you want to do with it. Mm. And so, Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful answer. I love that question. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one because you're going to get a lot of good. You're going to get a lot oh. of different answers from that. That's why I call it the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You know, <laughs> you just you just edit a whole bunch of those answers together and make one video. I like doing thing. Of everyone's advice on that, just all, just everyone's advice on, you know, mm -hmm. like if you want to do this, how do you, like, how do you do it? Because everyone's mm -hmm. going to have a very different take based on their own experiences and their own emotions. And mm -hmm. I think you can, just that one question, just the answers, you can really get a lot out of stuff. Mm -hmm. All righty, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Buddy Cat. Thank, thank you for having me, man. It was awesome. Yes. Yes. It was a blast. I learned so much from you too. Just <laughs> your adventures, your, uh, you have you taken something that's been allowed uh, been here for ages you know something that's been here almost forever and just said here's my twist on it you know yeah like here's my here's my version so but thank you again so much for being here on buddy cast it was it was awesome like i said yeah. uh, anyone that wants like i said I, I wrote to you originally and said i'm a big <laughs> fan of yours if you want to interview a balloon artist i'm definitely not your normal balloon artist like, mm -hmm. I, like I told, like I told you, I told everyone that's watching. You know, I love the way you ask questions because I was even telling my mom about this. That most interviews are very structured. This, 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 and this, and they just want these short, quick, precise answers. And you really spark a conversation in things. Um, like a little panel you had with Chris, and I can't remember the other people's names for some Demon, reason. Uh, Rick? Yeah, you did the you did the panel with him. I was watching that. I was actually building pat patio furniture the whole time in my yard while you were doing it. I was listening to it, um, and I liked it because it wasn't about you know, oh how how can I you know become a better uh, cardistry person. It was all it was all about how do you how do you discover yourself, mm -hmm. and the fact that you actually made it a conversation rather than an advice form makes a massive difference. I think that's important. And people need to learn about interviews based on what you do because you're doing it the way it should be done. You let the artists actually discuss their art form. Thank you. I appreciate that. So. So. But anywho, for all my buddies out there, this is my new buddy, Kyle. Thank you again so much for being on BuddyCast. <laughs> and as I always end all of my shows, just take my one piece of advice. Go be someone's buddy today. We'll catch you next time here on BuddyCast.